Well, Jason Gortz is in our studio. Jason Gortz is an executive producer for the business network CNBC. He's an experienced field producer who's covered the Middle East with a focus on Israel and Israeli business. He produced Beyond the Barrel, the race to fuel the future, which detailed Israeli-born energy technologies. He currently produces Power Lunch, broadcast live every day jointly from CNBC's global headquarters and the New York Stock Exchange. And he's the author of the brand-new book entitled Israel's Edge, Tal Piot, the IDF's most elite unit. Jason Gortz, a Geffen Publishing House release. Jason Gortz, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure to have you here. Is, is the book out? Has it been released? It's uh, this month on Amazon. Uh, I, some of my friends recently told me that uh, their Amazon orders have now said that the book is shipping. So I, <laughs> I know from my friends in Jerusalem that it is in the warehouse here in, in Newark. Uh, despite the fact there was a strike last week, it did make it, and it should be going out uh, You're one of the few daily. People, you're one of the few people that would know there was an Amazon strike, huh? Well, not an Amazon <laughs> strike, a port strike at, at Newark. I mean, a port, okay, That's even right. more so. That's right. You're one of the few people who would know that <laughs> through your work in the business world. You know, it's interesting. Um, we, as observers of modern Jewish history, we, as people who care about Israel and who focus on Israel a lot, we are somewhat familiar with some of the elite groups, units, uh, I don't know, combat divisions, paratroopers. We are somewhat familiar with some of the top names of groups of people that are responsible for some of the most heroic and some of the most important episodes in modern Jewish history, including things that happen now, uh, whether it's uh, you know combating terror, making advances against the enemy, etc., etc., whatever it may be. Until I saw your book, I don't know if I had heard of Tal Piot, what you call the IDF's most elite unit. And one of the reasons might be is because it is not as, how do I put it, it is not as exciting. Would that be the right way to put it? No, I would as, disagree with that. You would disagree with that. Yes. It, it's, not as, it's not as physically exciting as what some of the other groups do. Maybe not as romantic as what the paratroopers do when they, when they uh, uh, propel over enemy lines. Things like that. Would you say that? Would you agree with that at least? There have been no movies made about this unit. Ah. However... It is really the most important unit there is. Now, first off, let me tell you, there is some romanticism involved here because yeah. many of the guys from Talpiot do actually go on to lead uh, paratroopers. They go on to lead um, Sergeant McCall. They go on to lead um, troops in the field uh, from the navies. Many have flown F-16s in combat. Um, in addition to that, there's a, another guy who uh, is in, in an Air Force special unit. And what they do is they go behind enemy lines, they paint targets, making it easier for the bombers to come in. So these guys are also combat troops. Right. Um, and they often lead these uh, some of these elite divisions in the field. Now, I think what you're talking about, though, is, of course, not every guy does. Um, in, in order to get into this unit, you have to agree to be in for 10 years. Can you imagine being 17 years old? and committing to something for 10 years. And they will not take you for less. They will not take you for less. It's not an option. And the commitment is to do what? Sit behind a desk? To no, not, a, not at it? all. For the first three years, what you do is you take courses at Hebrew University, okay? Well, and that physics, is sitting behind a desk. Physics, yeah. computer science, and mathematics, right. okay? Um, however, there's no break. Basically, what you're doing is, in those three years, you're completing your degree in those three fields, in the same amount of time it would take gifted students who are four or five years older than you, just four years to do this, okay? During your breaks, 
from school, from Hebrew University, right. you go and you visit each combat unit that there is, from the artillery to the Navy to the Air Force, you name it, the paratroopers, the artillery, everything, and you learn how they do their jobs during your, your educational breaks. Then at the end of your three years of, of going from unit to unit... You're 20 years old now. You're 20 years old now. Um, then what you do is you get drafted, okay? Literally drafted into one of these, either into a, uh elite naval unit. They or tell you where to they go. They tell you, but they're, they're really matching you up based on what you're good at, based on what your, where your aptitude is. And they may send you to the Air Force. They may send you to a military contra- contractor, to an Elbit or to a Israel Aircraft Industries. Anywhere outside of Israel or never? Only inside of Israel at this point. Many later go on outside of Israel, but at this well, point. Well, that's on their own, right? Well, no, no. Well, uh, even they, under Israeli correct, jurisdiction. They may send you someplace where, right. say, uh, you know, it used to be, I don't want to name companies, but there used to be American companies that would contract for the IDF. And right. basically what, what some of these Talpiot soldiers would do is they would literally go into the field to some of these places in, in different countries, and they would become a liaison between um, the Army and, um, and, and the company. Let's because slow, let's, these guys know what they want. Let's slow down for a second. Sure. When someone is in Talpiot, and when someone's in year four, as you just described, mm-hmm. they're drafted into any of the categories you just mentioned. Do their family and friends know what they do? It's a, it, it is a secret, but you can. They one guy says in the book, we we become adept at being able to tell people what what we can tell them. Um, so so there are guidelines as to what you can tell people. Yeah, absolutely, and also what, it depends on where you go. To how many Talpiotas are there? There's about a thousand at this point in now, Israel. All, all men or not? No. Um, based from the seventh class on, which was 1985, 1986, they began to allow women. So this unit started in 1979, okay? Um, two professors who were in the United States at the time, two Israeli professors, saw what happened with the Yom Kippur War, and they were horrified. Um, Israel had lost its technological edge between 1967 and 1973. The Russians had flooded uh, Egypt and Syria with weapons, and France cut off Israel. France was Israel's main supplier. Um, Israel thought that it, it, it had been able to kill, vanquish these enemies and would not have any problems in the future. Of course, the Yom Kippur proved them wrong. They mm-hmm. lost the first few days of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and course, badly, if you read it. Uh, they, they did come back and win, obviously. Yes. obviously. Um, but they had a very tough time. So these two professors said, we need to take control of our own research and development. Okay, If we're not building and coming up with our own weapons, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna lose. If we're not keeping up with Russia... We're going to lose because the Russians are supplying our enemies. And um, they tried to model it after uh, a thing that Xerox had done in, in Palo Alto called the Palo Alto Research Center. Okay? That became very expensive, and they couldn't do it. So they decided to join with the Army. Now, it took the Army about six or seven years right. to really they come to, around to the idea. They had to pitch this, and, and Correct. they were rejected constantly. They, they were rejected over and over. And finally, in 1979, um, Begin was swept into office, right. and, and the Labor Party was swept out. Um, they, they saw daylight. And... Um, with you know a couple of snaps of the fingers and a couple of phone calls, their idea was in. And they may be surprised, some of the people who are the younger part of this audience, that Ariel Sharon was a major force behind it. That's right. Ariel Sharon is, is always very interested in education. He had yeah. a law degree. A lot of people don't know that. Um, he's a very smart man, and um, he, uh, he really was helped propel this, this, this unit, the creation of the unit. Tal P.O. today. First of all, why did you write the book? What made you so fascinated with this unit that, that so many people, including myself, had never heard of? First off, this unit really does everything. Um, and they care that you wrote this, by the way? Well, for the, first, for the first... It took me about 10 years to research and write it. And I would say, for the first several years, they told me, you can't do it. It's impossible. You'll never get the information. We're not going to help you. 
Um, after about five or six years, I got a message to a friend of mine who said, I just got a call from uh, the Ministry of Defense. They now tell me they're not going to help you, but they're not going to stand in your way. Right. A few more years later, I was about to be finished with the book, and I get a phone call. We'll help you. Um, so I had to go back and redo some things, make sure that they had, um, had, had their chance to respond. I also let them read it, by the way. Right. Um, and I also voluntarily allowed the IDF censorship unit to read it as I mean, well. Yeah, but the IDF censorship unit, if other countries see this, <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't read the whole book, but I read enough to see that there's stuff in here that other countries maybe shouldn't know about. I don't know about shouldn't know about, and most of this is is public record. I really sort of put it together into one place. A lot of it's on some of it's on the internet. Some of it is is out there. Um, How many people did you interview? Oh, I interviewed about I think it was about 125. All top Yoders? No, um, I also interviewed the founders of the program, or uh, the son of one of the founders of the program. Right. The founder had passed away, um, and many people who were involved in the program but weren't actually Talpiot. Um, now, for the first several years, the instructors, the instructors for this program were not Talpiots right. um, because it was didn't they exist. didn't exist. Um, so I, I interviewed many of them. I also interviewed other people in, in the defense establishments, talk about uh, their role, and also. Um, I, I talked to some people inside the Mossad who also deal with these people in terms of drafting them. Some of these people wind up with these secret units and, um, and, and intelligence uh, apparatus. Who is the number one top Yoder of all time? <laughs> well, there's a guy named Marius Nacht, okay? I mean, that's an impossible question to answer. I one understand. of my favorites was, was Marius Nacht. I'm glad Nacht. you have an answer, at least. Marius Nacht. Well, I have an answer to everything. Marius <laughs> Nacht. Um, founded Checkpoint, uh, the software company, and basically what it has become the leader in uh, software protection, making sure that nobody can, can break in and, and steal your software. Um, he's an amazing guy. Um, you know, when, when he first started the, 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 uh, you know, the company, Checkpoint, nobody had ever heard of Internet security. They didn't realize that it existed. So he went, basically he described himself as an old traveling salesman in the United States, going from company to company, living in his car for months at a time, and many of these companies that you hear of today would tell him, this company's never going to work. I'm never going to be connected to the Internet. There's no, no one's ever going to be connected to each other. It, it, it's never going to be a, per, a product that people want to buy. And obviously, he, he proved them wrong. Um, he, he has an amazing story. He was born in Romania. His, basically, his, uh, his family had to be ransomed out by the, by the Jewish agency. Was was paying about $5,000 a head. Was and, he um, the one that was responsible for that? Was, that might have been responsible for the cybersecurity infiltration that we've read about when it comes to Iran? I, I don't know the answer to that. Is it possible? I think he probably would have been out by now, but if Israel was involved in that, you could be sure that Talpia was, was part of it. Right. But you do allude in the book that there's been some sort of admission from Israel. There well, there right. have been uh, on 60 Minutes. Right. Um, the former CIA chief, Mayor Diagon, right. um, you know, sort of winked and nodded when, when he was asked the question. But that's About, really as close. What was it called? Stuxnet? Stuxnet, exactly. Right. That was as close as anybody's really gotten to, uh, to finding out exactly if Israel really was behind Israel's it. good at keeping secrets, huh? Well, usually, yes. Um, there are leaks. Um, right. Probably too many leaks. How um, is it that How is it that the people that love to gossip and troll are so good to keep speakers? That's right. Now, how is that possible? I, I, there are places where they're they're more trustworthy. Apparently, the Mossad they say is much more trustworthy, and they believe that the Mossad does some secret negotiations and diplomacy that we'll probably never know about. Right. So when they really want something to stay locked up, but obviously Israel's an open country with a very aggressive media, and um, and and leaks happen far too often. Uh, Jason Gortz is here. The book is called Israel's Edge, Tal Piot, the IDF's most elite unit. And is that a, is that a, 
I know you mean that as an accurate statement. Absolutely. But would any of the combat units that have that again have been known for their amazing accomplishments debate you on that? This unit is number one priority. So if you are asked to come into this unit, you are very much pressured to come into this unit. Right. If you want to be a fighter pilot, they say, sure, you can be a fighter pilot after you finish Helpy Out. Is, Helpy that, out, is that frustrating that is, for some of the teenagers? Yeah, it is frustrating, um, but almost to a head, they will agree and they will go to it. How um, early do they recruit? Do they walk into high schools and find kids who have yes. this incredible acumen? I mean, yes, is the answer to that question. They do that? Absolutely. There are also high schools in Israel that try to cater to Talpio and try to get their students in, several of them. Um, and there are several of them that are very good at it, at really trying to, to get their, their Can you students give me an example in. of that? Uh, sure. Leada, which is uh, the high school next to Jerusalem, um, it, it supplied, I think, almost uh, 10% of the early classes of Talpio. Um, there's a, another uh, a private school. Uh, Israel Center for Sciences. Um, right. it, it's a private school in Jerusalem, and they are, are another one that, that really uh, tries to get their kids into Talpiot. Now, the, the leader of that school was a former commander of Talpiot, so right. he knows how to do it. Um, and there's another school in Haifa um, that also caters to them. It's now 2016. Where would we be in this whole trying to keep up with what Iran is doing, trying to keep up with what every country in the Middle East is doing, trying to keep up with what Russia is doing, Trying to keep up with a lot of stuff. Where would we be without Talpiot? And by the way, trying to keep up with the United States is doing. Um, this unit, Talpiot, has not only allowed Israel to far outweigh, far outpace what the Arab nations have done, they've kept up with the United States, Russia, and China, um, and, and in many cases surpassed them. Where would we be? We, we know, we meaning the Israelis, uh-huh. what China's doing. Yes, I'm sure. That's a very difficult task for a small country like Israel. And a very large country like China, and advanced in many ways. I think probably a lot of countries, though, know what China's doing. I'm sure a lot of countries keep their eyes on... You know, if we've learned anything, we learned last week, by the way, that the United States and the United Kingdom have been cracking into Israel's uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. Right, the drones. Um, correct. Um, so if that can happen, you should certainly be able to imagine that, that anything is possible. All right, so today in 2016, what China does, what Russia does, what the United States does, Israel knows all about it. I'm sure. No question. Right. And without this unit... They may not know about it? or Well, without that unit, Israel wouldn't be nearly as far ahead as they are. Um, Israel would be much closer to parity, I would say, well, certainly with Iran. Iran is a, a, a very technologically advanced country. Um, it shouldn't be poo-pooed. Iran is, has very smart people inside of Iran. Um, and uh, Talpiot is, and, 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 and units like Talpiot, by the way, not just Talpiot, right. but Talpiot is the best example of it, um, ha, have been able to keep Israel a generation ahead of Iran and really at, at pace in many cases with the United States. Right. So how does this help diplomatically and politically? When the United States and Israel sit down, I don't know, you know, in the White House East Room and they're just, you know, schmoozing over coffee, is Israel in a much different position because the United States knows that Israel has such a position of strength because of units like this? I would imagine uh, that Israel is a big player in the Middle East, and the United States knows that. And whether Tapio was there or not, I think Israel would still be a big player in the, in the Middle East. Understood. But here, Israel's able to either prove or to allude through rumor that they've got their eyes everywhere. No question. Um, I think the Mossad is, is very good at that also. And, and the Mossad is a much deeper and, I don't want to say darker, but, but certainly a, 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 a more known presence. Um, but these guys, like I told you, are inside of Mossad, and they're helping Mossad. They're helping all sorts of the different intelligence agencies, and they make everything better, much better. Jason Gwertz is in our studio. It's a Geffen Publishing House release. It's called Israel's Edge. 
Talpio, the IDF's most elite unit. I'm assuming it's available everywhere, right? It is. Uh, Amazon.com is always a good place to get it to. Yeah. And uh, it took you 10 years to write this? 10 years to write it, research it, to have it edited twice. <laughs> uh, I mean, we had some, uh, so we went back and forth on some things, but they did a very good job for me. What was the, unless you want to tell me it's 2016, what was the um, highlight era of Talpiot? What was the, you know, hallmark era of Talpiot? Hmm. I would say 1979, the year that it was founded. Um, only because it set in, in motion this amazing chain of events where Israel really was able to get ahead of, of everybody. Um, so I would say 1979 is definitely a crowning year. I would also say the 15th class, by the way, was really, so that would have been, what, 19, uh, 1995? 1994, I believe. Right. Um, they came up with a company called XIV, which was sold to IBM, and it was really the first company that Talpiotes had come up with that they've been able to sell for such a, a large amount of money. It had to do with memory and cloud computing. Um, but there, it was really an amazing bunch of guys in each of these classes. Um, they've done amazing things for Israel and for Israeli business. So if you'd go on a recruiting trip with the Talpiot folks today, you'd meet 16- and 17-year-olds that are simply amazing. No question. Um, well, I would say by the time they're in Talpiot, they're like 17 and 18. Yeah, but, but I'm talking about when they, even before they get in. You, you, oh. They're, they're looking for no people. No question. Now, you start young, off... Young men and women. Correct. Um, that was part of the founding ethos, is that you're, you want to tap this creative mind that's it's in like, a, a it's 16-year-old like, kid. It's like the NBA going after 11-year-old ball players. I mean, it's like, you know... It's, it's very similar. Yeah. That's a, a great analogy. It, it really is very similar. Um, in many cases, they start... People are really start looking to hopefully join this unit by the time they're 11 and 12 years old. Um, now, for the first time just recently, you can actually now apply to Talpiot. So while they do a lot of recruiting... And for the tell first time, them what you have to offer. Correct. I don't know if it works um, yeah. or not, or you know, exactly who, how they're targeting you know, that right combination. Now, they're not just looking for high IQ, by the way, in this unit. They're looking for potential leaders, people who can manage projects when they get older, and, people, and manage people. And manage people, exactly right. Um, so they're, they're not, it used to be that at the very first, first two or three years, they would say they were looking for eccentric nerds. That changed very quickly when they found out that these people actually have to work with people and they have to get along with people. And you have to make other people do things for you without sort of the threat of taking away finances or, or punishing them. You have to right. make your peers be able to work with you. Also, this is very interesting, I think. You have to be able to work... You have to be able to make senior officers in the Army and executives that a lot of these defense contractors work with you. And it's not so easy for a 45-year-old executive who's uh, had everything his way for years to have some 23-year-old Talpio graduate come in and say, this isn't the way that we want it anymore. Um, and they have to do it nicely. Wow. It's actually a good business book when you think about it. No question. Because um, it, is a, it is partly a business book, it's partly an economics book, and it's partly a military book. Right, how to run a company, etc., etc. No question. You also describe in amazing detail, and I mention this because a lot of young people in the audience may not remember, probably don't remember, the situation Israel was in right after the start of the Yom Kippur War. It was a dire situation. And it's funny, and I use that, of course, in uh, quotation marks, that that disaster really was the birth of Talpia. Absolutely. Without it, I don't know if Israel would have gone in that direction. That's probably right. They probably would have tried to maintain the status quo. It's tough to uh, change things in a big machine like the IDF sometimes. Right. It's full of bureaucracy, and um, it shows that anything's possible. Unbelievable. Uh, very interesting book. Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDF's most elite unit, Jason Gortz, Geffen Publishing House, available everywhere. Jason's an executive producer for CNBC. 
And he has produced Beyond the Barrel, The Race to Fuel the Future, which detailed Israeli-born energy technologies. Are there still a lot of Israeli-born energy technologies out there? Absolutely. They're growing every day. No question. They're using everything from algae to, uh, to water. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He currently produces Power Lunch, broadcast every day jointly from CNBC's global headquarters and the New York Stock Exchange. And again, he's author of Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDF's most elite unit. Anything else you'd like to add about the book? Uh, buy it, but uh, I will tell you that my proceeds are going to go to Beit HaLachem to help uh, friends of the uh, Israeli uh, disabled veterans. Um, while the publisher keeps its its proceeds, I'm giving all of mine away um, to help uh, these these brave soldiers. Kalakavod. I think people in this audience will enjoy it. Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDS most elite unit. Jason Gortz, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. More coming up. It is a Monday morning broadcast, and this is JM in the AM.